Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to look at verses 41 through 49, and the message is titled, This Day. One of the reasons that we fear facing our giant is because of the fear of the day. We're afraid to face that day because it may be rejection, it may be defeat. The giant before us, when the day comes, the giant may hurt our feelings. We don't want to lose something that we hope to win. We don't want to hear no when we were counting on a a yes. We want to hear something positive when we face our giant. Sometimes people hear some brutally honest uh, no's when they face a giant. I read online the other day about seven brutally honest rejection letters. I can't read you all seven. I'm going to read you three. The first one is from a company called Sub Pop. It's an independent record label in Seattle. They sent this rejection letter. Dear loser. Thank you for sending your demo materials to SunPop for consideration. Presently, your demo packages package is one of the massive quantity of material we receive every day at SubPop World Headquarters. Your material is on its way through the great lower intestines, that is the talent acquisition process. We appreciate your interest and wish the best in your pursuits. Kind regards. P.S. This letter is also known as a rejection uh, letter. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? That's pretty tough. The New Delta Review is a, uh, a magazine in Baton Rouge. It sent the following rejection letter to someone who submitted something. Thank you for submitting. Unfortunately, the work you sent is quite terrible. <clears throat> Please forgive the form rejection, but it would take too much of my time to tell you exactly how terrible it was. So again, sorry (laughs) for the form letter. Well, that'd be rough, wouldn't it, to get that? Then, this is interesting. This is from 1938. 1938, Miss Mary Ford from Searcy, Arkansas, received this rejection letter from Walt Disney Productions. Listen carefully. The year, 1938. Your letter of recent date has been received in the inking and painting department for reply. Women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen, as that work is performed entirely by young men. For that reason, girls are not considered for the training school. Just how big do you think the settlement would be today? They sent out that letter today. Well, David is not going to face failure, and David is not going to face rejection. On this day, David is going to have victory. 
He has crossed over the line and is now facing the giant. The time for talk is over. Today is the day of action. Verse 41, And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. <coughs> the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the, the dead bodies uh, of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give, uh, he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew to meet David, <clears throat> David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face. Would you give the Lord a round of hand? Amen. <clears throat> there it is right there. We've been looking for this for four weeks. <clears throat> Finally, it's done. Let's take a look at this. First of all, David and Goliath are finally face to face. Regardless of the giants before us, there comes a moment, there comes a day when we must face off with the giant. This is game day. This is the day of commitment. This is the day of recovery. This is the day of taking the risk. Whatever the giant is in our lives, this day, David faced Goliath. David facing Goliath is a picture of all of those days that all of us have and will have to have in days to come. Here's the way that plays out. Finally, there's a confrontation. Finally, they're going to meet face to face. Finally, David is going to confront his fears. You say, well, he wasn't afraid. Oh, yes, he was. <clears throat> David was afraid. I'd be afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid? David was afraid. People are afraid of a lot of things. You can Google the top fears, and you'll find a list of things that people fear. In the book of list, here are the top 10 human fears in going 10 down to, to 1. Number 10 is dogs. A lot of people are afraid of dogs. When I was a kid, I was afraid of dogs. <clears throat> Number 9, loneliness. Number 8, flying. Here's interesting that this is only number seven on the list, <clears throat> death. Death is only number seven on the list. Above death is sickness. Some people would rather be dead than sick. I, uh, <clears throat> I have been 
so sick. Have you ever been so sick that you'd have to die to get better? I have been <clears throat> that sick before. Deep water, people are afraid of deep water. They won't go out on a cruise or a boat. Financial problems, insects and bugs, <clears throat> heights. The number one fear of most people speaking before public groups. <clears throat> That's the number one fear of, of most people. Here's what Jay Leno said. He said, I guess we'd rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. <clears throat> I guess that's true. Confrontation, rejection, and failure are also feared by many people. Let's picture again this confrontation between David and Goliath in verse 41. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. So here's this big and we can assume ugly giant looking down on this very handsome and healthy young man. And he totally disrespected David. The giants usually and totally disrespect us. They have no regard for us. All along, we have identified our giants as being either giant goals or giant accomplishments, could be giant problems, giant issues, or giant sins in our lives. What if, what if it, when it comes down to the sins of life that become our giants, understand that they have no respect for you at all. None. They don't respect you. Brother Steve is a chaplain at the Leon County Jail. And people are in there because of crimes. And crimes are sins for which a statute has been written. And those sins had no respect for those men and women there. Arthur Becton is the chaplain at the Federal Corrections Institute. And there's plenty of women there who are there because of crimes and the sins that they've committed. And neither the crime nor the sin had any respect for those women out there at the prison. That's just the truth. They have no respect for us. The sins in your life become a giant and they have no respect for you. Those who promote those sins that feed your life, do so without regard to what they're doing to you or to the family relationship. That is something that everyone learns sooner or later, however. The problem with learning it later is that the issue has always already taken hold of our lives and has even gotten a stronghold. For David, there was finally this confrontation Here's the second thing. <clears throat> Finally, the truth was coming out. Finally, a confrontation. And finally, the truth. Verse 43 and 44. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and <clears throat> to the beast of the field. Well, all of the truth comes out now. 
how superior and vicious that giant really was or really thought that he was. One thing about this giant, David knew from the beginning how big he was and how daunting the task might be to defeat him. Most giants not only lie to us, but they disrespect and lie to us. They just don't tell us the truth. I always think of the old Smirnoff, uh, <clears throat> Smirnoff vodka advertisement that used to be on billboards with this beautiful lady laying a, sprawled across <clears throat> the billboard and she had on a beautiful black uh, evening gown. And all that it said when she had a bottle of Smirnoff, and all that it said was, Smirnoff leaves you breathless. The truth of Smirnoff is that it leaves you homeless. It leaves you penniless. It leaves you without family. It can leave you jobless. But sin... And the giants of sin don't tell us the truth. They tell us it's okay for now. And then later, we learn the truth. The harmless flirtation, the stopping by for just one in the afternoon, the indulgence of just one purchase beyond our means, they never tell us the truth. You've heard me talk about my friend Bo, who is in prison in Michigan. Bo and I write to each other every week. I sent you an email about Bo and and said something about him this week. We write to each other every week. Bo doesn't look like that now, by the way. Um, He's lost about 70 pounds. That was his mugshot when it first went in. We won't put that on television, by the way. So whenever the editing is being done, we won't put his picture up there. Just the illustration. His troubles began with the mishandling of credit cards, which led to the misuse of church funds, which led to a serious embezzlement problem. Put him in prison. He wrote me these words the other day, and I found them to be very insightful. God is teaching me so much, and each day is a new day to see what he has for me. I am more in love with my Savior today than I've been in a long, long time. I'm having in my life what I call a a grace revelation. I like that. I'm having a grace revelation. I want to live under his favor and stop walking under guilt and condemnation. I'm learning my true identity in Christ, for there is where I believe I'll find my victory over the demons that have haunted me since I was a child. Being forsaken by my father. Let me just stop for a moment and say this. Bo's father was not a believer. Bo was a bus kid at a church in Jacksonville, Florida. Bo rode the church bus and he got saved. And he came home and he got saved. And his father had a violent reaction to the news that he had gotten saved. Let me continue on. Forsaken by my father, hearing him say, you are not my son. 
and living that until the day he died has haunted me since the day that he spoke that to me. I tried to fill that void by buying people's love and acceptance, for I was afraid of being rejected once again. He had a a giant that he faced. That giant was in his wallet. I don't know that it looked exactly like this, but it was one of these. He said, well, we've all got that in our wallets. Yeah, but his was a giant. And it didn't tell him the truth. Lied to him. It lied to him until he was $5,000 behind. It lied to him until he was $10,000 behind. It lied to him until he was $40,000 behind. and $75,000 behind. It lied to him until he was $100,000 behind and taking money secretly from his church in order to pay for that little giant right there. And one day he faced the giant and he called in his deacon and he said, he had several deacons, but one was kind of a key deacon and he called in the deacon and he said to him, I've taken $100,000 from this church. I've got to face this. It was wrong. I've got to tell you the truth. It was wrong. Call the sheriff and turn me in. They called the sheriff. He was turned in. He was sentenced to prison. He's in prison today. He'll get out on December the 10th. Just as David came face to face with his giant, my friend Bo had to come face to face with his. I've encouraged all of us to face our giants. If your giant is a giant problem or a giant sin, it has haunted you long enough and has lied to you long enough. Maybe yours is a a giant opportunity, and it's no sin at all. It's no problem at all. It's a giant opportunity. That's wonderful too, but I've got to tell you that it, it needs to tell you the truth, and you need to be honest about it. Don't fall for the lies of the giant. So this is what David saw and heard when he came face to face with the giant. However, when David spoke, it was more like this. It was faith to faith. David stood there in faith, and he spoke his faith. He would put his faith into action today. He was raised in a household of faith, and he became a man of faith. But today, the faith would become personal. It would become his faith. So he put his faith into action, and before he took the stone out and hurled it at the giant, he made sure that everyone knew why he was doing this. It wasn't a big, brave young man, David. It was a man named David who had faith in God. And he said, before I kill you, I want you to understand my faith. And he expressed the presence of his faith. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, 
but I have come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. In every area of our lives, we want to know that, that God will be our partner. And to be honest, there are probably some areas of life where we would be hesitant to ask God to join us. And there would be some areas of life where if we bowed our head and said, God bless us, we wouldn't, really couldn't do it because it wasn't the kind of thing God could bless. <clears throat> if we cannot have faith that God approves of this or of that in our lives, <clears throat> then we can't really face the giant in faith. Here's what Romans 14, 23 says. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating not from faith for whatsoever or whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. David stood and David spoke in faith. If you're going to face your giant, you need to have the the faith that your giant is something that God can help you to face and will. David moved from an inner faith to an active faith because he had confidence in the presence and the power the power of God. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day uh, to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts for the earth of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. <clears throat> now that, my friend, is trash talk. Y'all hear about the Ole Miss quarterback doing a little trash talking uh, about Alabama before the game yesterday? How many of you are Bama fans? You raise your hand. We got a few Bama fans in here. I'm guessing that that Ole Miss quarterback wishes he had never talked that trash. <clears throat> I'm guessing he'd wish he had kept his mouth shut. And chances are, Together, he and his coach are going to keep his mouth shut the rest of the year, <clears throat> probably. Here's the way David started this trash talk. This day, I can see it. This day, this day, I'm not messing around because this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. <laughs> Goliath's going, oh, this is good. This is so good. Go ahead, talk a little bit more. It, it was a statement of faith, but you know what else it was? It was a statement of fact. You're going down, sucker. <clears throat> this day, you are going down. I know that we're a little hesitant to offer this level of confidence. But you have to offer some level of confidence. And I'll tell you, even though we're facing giants, I'm not going to ask you to have, you know, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and say, this day I'm telling you thus and so. But I am going to ask you to take a stand and leave it in God's hands. You say, well, what if I take a stand and God doesn't come through? Well, you took a stand for God. <clears throat> That's 
what you did. There were these guys in the Old Testament who were about to be thrown into a furnace because they wouldn't bow down and, and worship a golden image. Let me show you how it played out in Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Then they said, but if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's where you've got to come with a giant. That's where you've got to be with a giant. You've got to be with a giant at the place that says, you know what, I'm going to face off with you. This is what my God would have me to do, and my God will make me successful, and my God will deliver me from you, and my God will make this journey uh, all the way to the end. My God will protect me, and if he doesn't protect me, he is still my God, and I'll die, everybody knowing that he's my God. Everybody. Not everyone has the complete in-your-face faith and confidence of a David, but that does not mean that we're not without faith, that we are without faith. We have faith in the power of God just as David did. Even if there's a caveat like these three Hebrew men and in many other places in Scripture, David's faith was active and real in his heart and in his life. He moved from faith to faith in the presence and the power of God. And he lived out the plan of God. Verse 47. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you to our hand. The beautiful thing about this is David's battle wasn't just for David. It was for the Lord. He said, this, this battle is not so you'll sing about me, although they sang about him. This battle is so you'll sing about the Lord. This battle is the Lord's. When we can live in such a way or, or resolve an issue in our lives to such a degree that we know that the battle and the victory belong to God and that God is going to receive all the glory, then we can fight that battle on a whole different level. You say, well, I've got this personal battle that I'm dealing with. I don't doubt that you have a personal battle that you're dealing with. And God help you and bless you in dealing with that personal battle. But if you want to win that personal battle, you've got to move it to another level where it's not just the battle of, of your person, it's the battle of the Lord's. And if I win this, God gets the glory. If I win this, God is going to have to win it. If I win this, my life will be changed only for, because of what God has done, not for me. God can partner with you and will. You have to ask him, God, 
will you partner with me in this challenge? Please partner with me. Will you please partner with me? And if you will, Lord, I promise you that this battle and this victory will be yours. Does God want you to overcome the giant? Does God want you to face the giant? Does God want you to overcome whatever that sin is in your life? Does God want you to overcome that fear? Does God want you to take the next step? Does God want you to have this victory? Does God want you to start in this vein? Does God have something really super powerful going on in your life right now? If God does, then say to God, all right, God, this is yours. I will act. I'll throw the stone, I'll bring the sling, I'll practice, I'll do all that I have to do, but please understand, Lord, that when we get to the day of battle, I am not going to accept a trophy for the extraordinary sling carrier. I'm going to give you all of the glory. That's the way it's going to work. On this day, they stood face to face. On this day, David moved from faith inside to faith in action. On this day, David moved his faith into the face of the giant. What happens when your faith comes face to face with your giant? Well, here's what happens. The first step is forward. Verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. I can picture it. I've been picturing it since I was a little boy. My daddy gave me my first Bible. My mother and daddy gave me my first Bible. It had red edges on it, and it was made by the World Bible Company, and it had pictures inside of it in strategic pages and there was a picture of David with a sling like this and Goliath in front of him and I can still see that is that the real picture it's always been real to me ever since I was a little boy there was no regret today David did not hesitate he was not frozen in the valley of, of decision. It was forward. It was onward. It was headlong into the face of the giant. I think he had had enough of the rumors and threats. You know, you've got to come to a place where you've had enough. What if David had gotten killed? I think David had enough. I think David had, had David gotten killed, he still had had enough. Had David been slain, there would have been a lot different consequences, but I will tell you this, it would make no less real the faith that David exercised in facing off with the giant. The army of Israel had been frozen in fear for so long, and it was just time for somebody to break loose this grip of Goliath and the Philistines. Just like the prodigal son came to himself, all of us have to reach a point of decision. We have to reach a point where we say, I've had enough of this. This is it. I either will or I won't. 
Ours will be a life lived in victory and joy, uh, uh, or ours will be a life lived in defeat and unhappiness. But at some point, we have to say, I've had enough. It, It has to come for all of us. The first movement for David on this faith-to-face confrontation was forward. The second word that I want to give to you in this confrontation is five. You know the significance of five, I'm sure. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it. David reached in the bag and he got only one stone, but how many were in there? Five. Verse 40, then He took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Do you remember the question that we asked last week? Why did he take five? Do you remember that question? Why did he take five? Would he really have time to reload? Would he really have time to go back into the pouch and say, let me get another one? I'm going to hit you with the other one. Here comes another one just like the other one. Sink it, God, sink it. No, that wouldn't it. There were five, four other giants in Gath from which Goliath came. Oh, they all, they had their eyes on David. Everybody's watching David by now. What's he doing? Well, he went down to the creek. What's he getting? He picked up a stone and he put in the pouch. Wait a minute. He's getting another one and putting in the pouch. Hold up. There's three in there now. I think I see the... He got... Hey, everybody, he got five stones. Five of them. Five stones that he put in the pouch. You know why he got the five stones, everybody, don't you? Because of all those ugly brothers of Goliath. He's going to wipe out the family if they don't shut up. That's it. That's just it. He only needed one, and I think he knew he only needed one. But he took four more just in case anybody else in the Goliath household was feeling froggy. Go ahead and come on. Here's what we have to remember, friends. David knew this. Hadn't even been written yet, but he knew it. He knew that the Lord had said and would say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. All of this faith and action came to one solid blow in the most and vulnerable place of the big ugly giant, and that was the forehead. The key word is forehead. Verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face on the ground. There's two things about that that you need to think about. One is obvious, and the other may not be so obvious. The the one that that may be obvious or should be obvious is that 
this was the effective place to kill the giant. And God directed that stone to that effective place to kill the giant. But there's also some symbolism here. Do you remember this verse from Genesis as God spoke directly to Satan in the form of a serpent? Genesis 3.15. Listen to this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That wasn't an accident. You, you know what? I'm, I imagine God could have created a distraction and Goliath turned sideways and he could have taken one in the ear. You know, I imagine any scenario could have happened. But God said, let's just put that thing right where we're going to defeat Satan. Boom! Right in the head. Christ is going to deliver the final blow to Satan just as God delivered on this day the final blow to Goliath. This was no accident. This was prophetic. It was a great victory from which we take great confidence and comfort and boldness. But this was prophecy. This was telling all of Israel again, you know this story about Adam you know the story about Eve. You know the story about the serpent. You know those words that I will bruise his head and he will bruise my heel. You know those words, don't you? Let me remind you of how these things are going to go down. Let me remind you of how faith will, uh, how faith will face the foe. And he turned the sling, the, the rock loose, and it hit him right square in the forehead I guess I'll ask this are you ready is this the day can you put your faith on the face of your giant you've been thinking about your giant for the last four weeks or so five weeks can you put your faith on the face of the giant can you do it? I don't know that I can. That was David. David was Old Testament. Those guys were superhuman. They could do things that none of us can do. They were just unbelievable. And I don't think that I can do that because if I'd lived back then, maybe I could have done it. But I don't think that I can do it today. Well, God wrote you a verse. Here's what it is. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I just can't whip this. Well, I tell you what, if you'd face off of that giant and let your faith get into action and say it and live it and do it, you could. You just have to do it. You know what I'm going to share with you? Next time, and I told you it's going to be the, the second Sunday in, in um, it's going to be two Sundays from now. I'm going to share with you what it's like for the family and your friends after you slay the giant. Everybody knows how the giant has affected your family and friends. But 
what happens after you slay the giant? Well, some of you can find that out personally if you'll just go ahead and face off with it. And say, this is the day. And then in two weeks, I'll share with you what it really means. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.